Have you asked yourself, who am I now that things have changed? Or what's next? Or why does it feel like something is missing? Do you know what you want? If so, what's holding you back? Maybe you feel stuck and wish you could get out of your own way. You're not alone. You'll get insight from every angle on these topics and more on the Tips for the Transition, the Career Roadmap podcast. Every week, you can learn the tips and proven techniques to get you out of that rut and feel more confident and resilient. So join us and eavesdrop on our conversations. Hello and welcome. This is Tips for the Transition, the Career Roadmap, and I'm Maria Tomas-Keegan. I created this show to share stories and resources and practical strategies that help women navigate career and life challenges and to know that they're not alone. Each week, my guest and I co-create a show to encourage women to be more confident, resilient, and brave in their career and in their life choices. So you can find this show on E360 TV network on your favorite streaming service like Roku and Apple TV and Amazon Fire. And we stream live weekly on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook as well. And if you prefer to listen to your podcasts, uh, you can also find us on all the podcast channels. So if something inspires you today and you want more of the same, Please subscribe to your favorite channel, leave us a comment, and share your favorite episodes far and wide so we can create more ripples among women around the world. And don't forget, check out the show notes below because that will give you some great links to connect directly to my guest and me. So toxic work cultures and workplace bullying are two of the worst experiences we can face in our careers, and no one will thrive in either situation. Yet it's prevalent enough that we're spending this episode with an expert on the subject of addressing them head on. Catherine Matice is a workplace bullying expert, TEDx speaker, culture consultant, strategic HR advisor, and mentor. And she is the driving force behind Civility Partners, a consulting firm focused on helping organizations create respectful workplace cultures and specializing in turning around toxic environments. Civility Partners clients range from Fortune 500s to small businesses across many industries. Catherine is an HR thought leader, often featured in USA Today, Bloomberg's, CNN, and NPR. She's an award-winning speaker, author, and blogger with 53 courses reaching global audiences on LinkedIn Learning. She has an award-winning book. It's called Back Off, Your Kick-Ass Guide to Ending Work uh, Bullying at Work. And it was hailed by international leadership guru Ken Blanchard as the most comprehensive and valuable handbook on the topic. So I can't wait to have this conversation with with Catherine. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It is my pleasure. And, you know, I love to get started with my guests. Just a little bit of a backstory, Catherine. 
How did this topic of bullying and toxic workplaces become a passion of yours? I was the director of human resources for an organization where another director, so my peer, was essentially engaging in bullying behaviors. He was a micromanager. He yelled. He made it very clear who in the office he liked versus who he didn't like. I felt he was insubordinate to the president of the organization. And so as the director of HR, I was dealing with all of the uh, drama that he created. You know, people were spending time in my office and I was dealing with the turnover in his department. And I also felt picked on. I definitely was one of his targets. While I was working there, I decided to get a master's degree in communication. And my very first semester, one of my classes was called The Dark Side of Communication. So we had to write a paper on something dark in human communication. Uh, And so I thought, well, I'm going to write about this person at work. I kind of want to understand him as frustrated as I am. And so I set out to write a paper, came across the phrase workplace bullying, realized it's exactly what I was going through and that my scenario was pretty standard according to the research. And I was shocked to find there's at the time, you know, 20 years of academic research on the topic from around the world. Um, And so I just that became my mission in grad school. Everything I did in graduate school, no matter the class, my research, my thesis, all of it was on bullying. So I, I joke I have a master's degree in workplace bullying. Um, And then I realized, you know, this is a problem that is not being addressed in the United States. And so I started Civility Partners and I wrote my book pretty quickly out of grad school. And here I am. (laughs) Wow. You know, you are so right. What you described is so common. Um, Experienced that many times in my long career in corporate Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what some of the most common characteristics are. You mentioned a couple of them, but those characteristics that are, are displayed by abrasive leaders or workplace bullies, what are some of those? Sure, I can um, do you one better and give you three categories of behavior. So what I find is when we're using phrases like bullying or abrasive or even harassment, even if it's not technical, illegal harassment, um, the three buckets are aggressive communication. So getting in someone's personal space, aggressive nonverbals, you know, eyes popping out of your head and your veins pumping, you know, on your forehead. And, and so just uh, nasty emails. So communication that most people could look at and say, yeah, that's aggressive. The second bucket is humiliation, calling out mistakes in public, shaming people, um, you know, punitively punishing someone for maybe a small mistake or even a big mistake, but you keep bringing it up. So doing things that that are isolating and humiliating that the target. And then the third bucket is uh, manipulation. So that's where the passive aggressive behaviors come in. That's where um, giving someone not enough information to do a task that they're assigned, um, giving someone so much work, it's not possible for them to complete it, uh, using performance reviews as a way to sort of bully someone and claim someone's not a good performer. So those are the buckets, aggressive communication, humiliation, and manipulation. Where we can think of lots of things that fall under each one of those, can't we? Yep. So I I would say any bullying behavior you may have experienced or witnessed will fall 
in one of those three categories. And maybe sometimes in multiple categories. Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the why. Mm-hmm. What What is it that causes people to engage in these bullying behaviors? That's a great question. So contrary to popular belief, they are not psychopaths generally. I think I've met a few, but uh, they are good people at heart. I know that can be hard to hear if you're at the receiving end because it certainly doesn't feel that way. Um, What's happened is these individuals have gotten very focused on competence. And I've noticed a pattern because I coach these individuals uh, exclusively that they've all been fighting for something their whole lives. So there's a reason they're really focused on competence. It could be uh, kind of lack of love from their parents. It could be, um, you know, they were the only female in medical school at the time when it was all males. It could be, um, you know, there's, there's just always this story of this individual I'm coaching fighting to prove something. And so you couple that with the rewards and promotions they're receiving from the organization for all of those amazing results they get because they're focused on competence. They're really high performers. So over time, they get more and more permission to act that way. And then lastly, you know, they are lacking some empathy. They're not. So what I find when I talk with these individuals is they recognize that people don't like working with them. They recognize that people see them as a hard manager and their response is more like, well, I'm just holding them accountable or um, it's not my fault that they're lazy, you know, and they so they're they're missing something there with the, the empathy and the, you know, they're lacking kind of social sonar to understand how damaging their behavior really is. And then that's where the coaching comes in is once I show them how damaging their behavior is, you know, 95% of the time they're mortified and appalled that this is how people really see them. And they didn't know that they were perceived so awful and they want to change. Um, so that's that's the recipe. That's so interesting to, to hear the way you describe that these are um, essentially good people who just don't realize what they're doing mm-hmm. or the or the effect they have mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. on others. So, are there any factors that contribute to that? Well, so the organ, you know, they're, they're getting mixed messages. So what happens, the, the factor that contributes is the organization. So mm. what's happening is people complain to HR. HR is probably talking to this individual saying, you know, hey, I'm hearing that you're yelling or you're doing this or that. And they're thinking, well, A, your HR, you know, people are going to complain and B, does it really matter? Because I'm also getting a lot of accolades from the CEO and look at, I'm the executive VP or I'm, I get big bonuses. I'm in charge of this big project. So the organization's rewarding them and Mm. HR is trying to get them to stop behaving that way. So, and then, you know, this is over the course of their life, right? There, because no organizations really are holding people accountable for behavior 
that doesn't include <laughs> bullying. So unless, um, unless they're not also performing, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, if I'm bullying and not performing, it's real easy to say, get out. But yeah. Yeah, HR, I find has been when I have these kind of sales calls with HR who's looking for a coach, um, that's the narrative. They've been trying to get the CEO to address it for a long time. And the CEO has been saying, just leave it be. We need them. Don't. And so their CEO is living in real fear that if this individual is held accountable, they're going to say, fine, I'll go bully somewhere else. I'm going to take all my, you know, great results and achievements and go somewhere else where I can bully, which is kind of silly because that never happens. <laughs> so it's as though the organization is condoning this behavior. 100%. And they are hearing from HR that it is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So that's the mist, mixed messaging that you're talking about. Yeah. And then HR, you know, can only get so far. I was that HR person where I was trying to get the president to address the behavior and I couldn't talk him into it. I mean, I tried all sorts of things. I even pulled out an Excel sheet and tried to calculate you know, how much money I thought this person had cost the organization. And the president kind of was like, oh, it's not that high of a number. You know, it's like he just saw and he was, you know, it was all just my thoughts. I think I've spent this much time on turnover, you know, and here's my hourly rate when you break my salary down. And even that didn't seem to phase him. So uh, HR is trying to fix a problem that they don't have permission to fix. So, so what, what do we do about that? Well, <laughs> unfortunately, often this, what happens is the CEO gets a smack in the face. As I say, the, some sort of catalyst happens where they finally say, okay, I hear you, HR, find a resource. Let's try to help this person. And that's where I come in. Um, I do think, it, you know, in general, there's a lot more conversations in the workplace around um, employee and the employee experience and culture. There was obviously a ton of research that came out during COVID about the mass exodus, that it was related to toxic environments, the way people were feeling at work, where people weren't going, oh, I'm just going to go home and start a yoga studio and quit being a lawyer. It was more of, I don't, want to work here anymore. And now that everybody's remote, I'm going to go find somebody somewhere else where I'm treated better. So I think hopefully over time, um, you know, as the work working world gets nicer and nicer, we're more empathetic to our employees that maybe over time it would phase out or become minimal. Or maybe be recognized as the unacceptable behavior because it is the not the norm. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's what we do with clients. We get really focused on their core values. And hey, if you have people, if you're holding people accountable to the core values, uh, then this behavior is very clearly unacceptable. So we got to get rid of that right. gray area. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about um, how you work with companies? What, what does, first of all, what does it take for them to bring you in? Yeah, so usually uh, because we're, you know, we turn around toxic work environments. That's that's what we do and that's how we market ourselves. We have clients who aren't 
toxic um, and just want they're good and they want to be better. So those are, you know, we have fewer of those types of clients. So generally what happens is um, this either there's a new CEO who's recognizing I need to understand what's going on. Let's get a survey going, uh, which is often where we start when we're um, working with clients. Uh, or it could be that, you know, maybe they're required to do a survey through their professional association that the company is. Um, or it could be that turnover is just still not going down. People still lots of people leaving. So there's something happening in an organization that causes them to say, we need to understand what's going on so that we can fix it. Uh, and that's when they reach out to us. So we do a, a workforce survey. We call it a climate assessment where we're measuring lots of things like employee engagement, trust in the leadership team, uh, relationships within teams, uh, inclusivity and psychological safety. So we're looking at a variety of constructs. And then we're able to take all of that data and help the organization understand exactly what to do to address that data. So, hey, 20% of people you know, answered this question positively, we want it to be 80 to 100% of people answering it positively. What do we do? And so we really take the idea of culture uh, and make it very tangible and actionable through that process. Uh, and then off, a lot of our change involves things like, you know, company-wide training programs to teach people things like civility, what to do if you witness even something really subtle that feels inappropriate. Uh, we do a lot of manager trainings on how to, you know, how does a manager, how does a middle manager coach, you know, a, somebody who's a gossip on their team, for example. So really giving a lot of tools to the organization around behavior. Uh, and then we often do a lot of performance management system upgrades where we're helping the organization really hold people accountable to that, you know, the core values. Um, so we do a huge array of different things to help the organization figure out what's wrong and how to fix it. And then we kind of lead them through that process. Uh, and then, of course, we also specialize in coaching leaders accused of bullying. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it, it occurs to me that I mean, I'm just thinking back to some of the situations that I faced over the years. Um, I almost always worked in male-dominated industries mm -hmm. um, and was a bit of a square peg in a round hole, being a collaborator, not a competitor. Mm -hmm. um, but I wonder... Is there anything that we as individuals can do about, um, you know, I'm sure reporting it is one, one thing we can do, but yeah. is there anything we can do when we are faced with uh, aggressive leaders or people who are bullying us? Yeah, yeah. So my the book back off is full of tons of tips. So definitely, if you are looking for those, check that out. But I can say the earlier you address it, the better. So it, the moment, the moment somebody steps on you at work, address it. Because what happens is if you don't, they subconsciously recognize that I have some power over you. I can dominate you. 
And again, these aren't, you know, people who engage in bad behavior at work. They're not waking up every morning excited to make everybody's lives miserable. They've right. developed a really bad habit over time because the organizations allowed them to. So if you can nip it in the bud right away, uh, the, there's tons of research and I've experienced it myself that there's all of a sudden a respect that I cannot dominate you. So I won't push on you. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, another, so all that aside, oh, go ahead. No, I was just, give us an example of, uh, of what we could do or say to nip it in the bud, as you say. Yeah. So um, I always like asking questions. That's a great way to not come across, you know, if you're worried about coming across as insubordinate because this person's your boss or you're worried about the, you know, you know, getting super aggressive or assertive yourself. So you could ask a question. You could say something like, did you know that you're coming across as yelling right now? Or um, did you know that yesterday in the staff meeting, you said this thing, I wanted to talk to you about it. Um, So kind of, you know, approaching it from a place of curiosity is is a great way to whoever's asking questions holds the power. Uh, And so it's a way to, you know, kind of get your power without being yesterday, you did this and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I will share my story with you because it's a great story. So after I left the organization where this person bullied, I went on to work at a startup tech firm. Uh, They had just gotten a $10 million investment and they, you know, they had five people and they were going to be growing. And so they hired me to build their HR and help them hire and do all the, all the HR stuff. And uh, because it was a startup, everybody wears multiple hats. And somehow I ended up doing some of the customer service. I'm not in tech. I have no idea what's going on. So the chances of me making a mistake were pretty high. Um, but, you know, of course, I'm doing what I'm asked. And I did make a very big mistake. Some sort of uh, email, e-newsletter went out to a client's um, or to one of our client's customers and apparently there was, I don't remember exactly, but I made a mistake. Um, The CEO sends me an email and he CCs the entire office. So at this point, we're talking about maybe 20, 25 people. And it says, you know, he really just reamed me for this mistake. And here's that nip in the bud moment. I thought, "Uh uh-uh, not again. I'm not not willing to work here if that's what it's like. So I'm just going to take my chances. I hit reply to all. He had involved all these people, so I'm going to involve them too. I hit reply to all and I just said, um, yes, I made a mistake. Here are the three options I can think of to solve it. I'd love for you to tell me which solution you'd like me to implement. And if you'd like to talk about my mistake further, we're going to do it in your office with the door closed. And I hit send. And within a couple seconds of me hitting send, he comes out of his office and yells across the whole office, great email, cat! way to put the hammer down. I deserve that. <laughs> so he, you know, it was that respect. He saw he was not going to be able to talk to me like that, especially in front of other people. And he never spoke to me like that again. That is a great story. That <laughs> is a great story. And, you know, we have to, we have to get over the, the, the intimidation, mm-hmm. right, that can, that can arise when mm-hmm. someone attacks you, right? Mm-hmm. It's natural to feel that. The fear, right, yeah. of retribution, right? And the fear of what are people going to think about me? 
mm-hmm. of me if I do that? And am I am I as bad as he or she if I do something about it? Am I am I am I doing the same thing back? Right. Lots and, of that stuff going on. Yeah, head, absolutely. Right? And I think, you know, in that situation, I was willing to be fired. I thought to myself, if he if he yells out of this door, you're fired. Don't speak to me that way. OK, fine. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to work here if you're going to treat me that way. So I think that's a big uh, is that decision kind of like when you're going to buy a car, recognize that you have an absolute boundary and you're not going to let this car salesman yeah you know, cross it. And that's, yeah. that's where I was at. But, and you know, unfortunately I had all of that gumption because of my previous experience um, where I did let it go. So, yeah. yeah. You know, I think it, I think it does take some practice, unfortunately yep. that, you know, we, we our our boundaries are soft and it happens and we, we let it mm-hmm. and we realize that what we've done is, granted permission mm-hmm. for people to treat us that way. Right. So getting really, really clear about what matters most to you, what your values are mm-hmm. and how you honor them, how you stand firmly in them. And what are the boundaries you set around that behavior? How do you teach people how to treat you? Right. By the way you respond to their behavior. Right. I like that phrase. How do you teach people how to interact? I'll, I'll share something else. So I have a, another book. Um, it's such a long title. Let me look at my wall. Stand Up, Speak Out Against Workplace Bullying. Uh, and that book is a collection of stories that I put together with um, the National Workplace Bullying Coalition. So if, if you buy a copy, they get all the proceeds. And we were curious about what makes someone successful in overcoming bullying uh, because the research is very dire. Now, at this point, there's 40 years of academic research, 99% of which says if you get bullied, you're doomed, essentially. HR is not going to help you. you pr- if you try to sue, good luck because it's not illegal. You know, it's it's not a pretty picture. Um, and I, I'm into positive psychology. I'm a very optimistic person. And I would say I'm successful. I'm not hindered by that experience. In fact, it catapulted me to having a great life. So we were curious what other kind of, you know, what are there other people like me, essentially, and what's their story? What we found in the 28 stories that we that we collected a lot, only 28 of them made it into the book, um, was that the defining factor in considering yourself successful was the decision not to deal with it anymore or to, to mm. do something. And that decision's different depending on who you're talking to. So for me, I actually got fired from the, from my job. My performance suffered so much. Um, I didn't decide to be fired, but I decided what I'm going to do with that is you know, finish out my master's degree and write a book and I'm going to get focused on this. And so um, you know, I made a decision. This is not going to take right. me out. Um, another woman's story, she's uh, she's a professor at the Coast Guard Academy. Uh, and she basically says, you know, I'm black. I'm a female. I have a PhD. I'm a lesbian. I got four strikes against me. I could either leave or duke this out. And she decided to duke it out. So she's 
you know, I kind of joke, she's the Martin Luther King of the Coast Guard Academy, but she decided to be that, you know, it wasn't right. And so that's the thing you have to say, I'm not doing this. And then whatever that means, whatever that decision looks like is going to vary, but that's how you survive. Yeah. uh, That, that makes so much sense. Um, It, it requires making a decision, as you say, making a choice Mm -hmm. about what you will tolerate and what you won't. Yep. Right. And there's, there's a, there's a line. And when the line gets crossed, then you, you take whatever action you deem necessary because of the choice you made. Yep. Exactly. And, And standing firmly in that. And I think that's where a lot of people waver mm-hmm. is the, you know, oh, it wasn't that bad this time, right? Kind of giving forgiveness where mm-hmm. it's not due. Mm-hmm. And, and I would add to that redefining what success means, which is what we learned from this, these stories we had collected was that if you're, you know, if you have a nine to five job, it pays your bills. It's really hard to have a boundary and say, I don't care if I get fired. I'm going to stand up for myself. I get that. Um, And then you also have society, all your friends and family, you know, if you were to get fired, let's say, they're all going to feel sorry for you. Oh my gosh, that was awful. You got yourself fired or you quit. How could you do, you know, that the bully one, you quit. And so you have all this like chitter chatter about what success looks like. And that's what we found in the academic research was like, stop defining success as the bully you tell on the bully and they get fired immediately and they go to hell. You know, it's like, that's not, that's not the story. Um, And so, so really deciding that, and it does, it takes a lot. I know this is, this is a tall order, but deciding uh, I'm okay with the outcome of me setting up my boundaries. And if I get fired, it's a win because I can figure out something else to do. Or if I have to quit to get away from this, it's a win because I'm taking care of myself. So don't let society uh, or, you know, don't let the chitter chatter disrupt what you think success should look like for you. Right. That's such a, that's such great advice because they're don't allow their judgment of Mm -hmm your action, what you chose to do, right? Right. So, and, and again, standing firm in what success means to you in this situation. Right. And and taking care of yourself first because nobody else will do it. Right. Right. Nobody else will take care of you first um, except you. Right. Yeah. There's, boy, there, there are so many shades of gray here, aren't there, Catherine? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So is there is there anything that um, kind of stops bullying in its tracks? Now, you, I, I heard you say confront it, don't let it, don't let it slip by first. Mm-hmm. Is, there, is there anything else? Yes. So power in numbers. So the more that you can, uh, and, and I'll say first, I'm not suggesting you go around you know, getting a mob started. Isn't that person horrible? Let's all stand up. It's a process, but to go to around to your colleagues and talk with them about what you're experiencing, um, what are they experiencing? And if there's several of you, 
which there probably are, um, then to agree to all go to HR together so that it be it does become you as a group taking a stance that, you know, we we as a team do not want to work with this person. And that's how HR you got to help HR get the CEO's attention. So, okay, you know, if you go to HR and you're crying and it's like they're mean to me, it's like I get why that happens. I'm not saying I'm not discounting that, but that doesn't help this, the HR professional make a case for you. But if you can go with a team and say all five of us do not like the way we're treated, it's affecting us in these ways, um, we need you to put a stop to it then HR can go to the CEO and say, look, you got five people who may quit. And then that person's useless because the whole department's going to be gone, you know? And um, so really, and I know it's hard because being bullied is obviously very emotional. I, I got fired because I wasn't performing. I was depressed. I hated it. Um, I hated going to work, you know? So, so, but that doesn't convince the CEO to say, well, these people, you know, this one person hates working here and they're sad about it. It's got to be the business case. So you've got to find a way to step out of those emotions a bit and give the HR professional something they can work with when they go to the CEO. So approach it a bit like a class action. A little bit. A little yeah. bit. A yeah. little bit. Yeah. And, and I like what you said, give the HR person the the ammunition, if you will, or the, the case, mm-hmm. right? Get, help them make the case, I think is the way you put it, uh, for, to, to take it further. Yes. Um, and, and let them know how it's affecting you, how it's affecting you personally, how it's affecting you at work mm-hmm. and your productivity, your efficiency, your, your behavior, even. I was just going to say that when you're talking about how it's affecting you, try to keep it related to the work, right? That yeah. I I got yelled at in a meeting and I was upset. So I had to step outside and I, I couldn't take five calls because I needed a break. You know, that's an example of like, it hurt me, but that I'm really here because I need to know I'm having a hard time doing my job. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, talk about the work problem. That it's yeah. Talk about the work problem. Right. Right. How it's affecting you at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any examples, uh, maybe case studies? You've, you've worked with a lot of corporate corporations, large and small, um, that have successfully implemented your coaching method to address uh, this abusive leadership and bullying? Yeah, there's we've got plenty of studies on my website. So if you want to learn more about some of what we do, it's there. Um, But yeah, to share some stories about some of the clients I coach. Um, Just recently, I closed out coaching with a client who uh, works at a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization. And he reports directly to the executive director. And he comes from, you know, kind of Wall Street finance background. And now he's at a nonprofit. And um, we talked, so again, going back to the the idea that they're really focused on competence, a lot of our coaching conversations centered around his relationship with the coworker who he found to be fairly incompetent. And 
you know, because these individuals are so competent, it, it's like hard to wrap their head around the fact that that person over there can't figure it out or they're not doing it the way I would do it. What's wrong with them? So that was where their problems were coming from. And in our very last coaching session, he told me, so some part of his role was to put on these big events for, you know, large fund, large fundraising types of events with people with money. Um, and he told me, and he was almost in tears about heart to heart that he and this woman that he had an issue with uh, had just a couple of days before our closeout meeting. And she said to him, you know, I know I don't always do things the way you want. I appreciate that you've been working hard to change our relationship. Thank you for all of the things you've taught me. And um, she gave him a hug, you know, so the two of them had a very clear uh, shift in their relationship because of the coaching. Uh, and he was, you know, it was just a lot of talking to him about you have to coach her if you don't like the way she does something and you have some ideas, then that's how you approach it. Not why would you do it that way kind of a right. thing. Um, yeah. And so that's a, a great one. Um, I love that story and just how excited he was that they were going to be able to, to proceed that there was a shift, yeah. right? And you know, yeah. there's a, there's a way to, uh, to lead people by example, right. Yep. Um, yep. instead of by belittling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, another, uh, just real quick. Another one of my success stories. Yeah. Uh, I love sharing this one. A woman uh, who I coached after about a year, she emails me and she says, my team says I'm falling off the bandwagon. You know, I need you to coach me a little bit more. We need to, to reconnect. Um, and so I coached her a little more. And I thought that was a great success because her team had felt comfortable to tell her, mm. you know, they weren't so afraid of her anymore. They were able to to point out, you're kind of going back to your old ways. Stop it. <laughs> so yeah, I love out. that. And and here's what I love more. She listened. Yeah. Right? She yeah. took that to heart. And she it was like a wake up call for her. Yeah. She goes, oh, yeah, you, you know what? They're right. Yep. And she reached back out to you because that worked for her. Yep. I love yep. that. That's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great story. You got one more? Um, I've got many. Um, another one. I mean, the there's the ones on my website are both. I joke, my star students. They um, both really did a 180. They where their feedback was 100% this, and then after coaching them. So so just to back up, we uh, start off by interviewing people. I interview up to 15 people. And I take all that feedback and I move it all into themes. Uh, and then I read that document to them. So it's a pretty difficult conversation for them and me. Um, and that's where they really see the mirror of, oh, my gosh, I knew people thought I was kind of mean. But holy moly, look at this damage I'm causing. Um, and then after about four months of coaching, I re-interview everyone. And both of those individuals, Joe and Mercedes, their names are, they both just literally did a complete 180 and their feedback was entirely different. Um, and Mercedes is actually a great case study in terms of just how we allow bullying to happen. Um, she had been at the organization forever. She had tons of organizational knowledge and, and led a team. Uh, and one of her themes in the feedback is that she would go like this when she talks, you know, she'd get real that aggressive body language uh, in conjunction with her facial expressions and her posture and everything. 
Um, and when I spoke to HR, as the coaching was commencing, you know, she's like, everyone just says Mercedes just passionate. She's just passionate. I'm sick of people saying that her passion is causing a lot of problems, you know? Uh, and so then people in the, the next round of feedback, you know, were like, she's not doing that anymore. I'm not scared to approach her. She doesn't shame people in public anymore. So, um, she was, a another really one of my, one of my faves. Yeah. One of your faves. You know, that's interesting that um, they, they, they made excuses for her. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, and that's how the, the condoning, you know, perpetuates, right? They yep. just kept making excuses for how passionate she was. So they allowed it to continue. Yeah. And good for HR it. that she had the CEO's ear and, and was like, I'm not, that's not passionate or it's yeah. not the right kind of passion. She can be passionate by working too many hours or <laughs> completing some big project, but not by going like this at people. Right, right. And that, like, and I'm sure she learned how to um, express mm-hmm. her passion differently. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing. Coaching is all about... We, I mean, in a nutshell, everybody knows you're competent. You're, look at your job title. Look at, you know, where you're at. We all know you're competent. If your goal is to make your team competent or more competent, the way you're treating them is not working. And in fact, they're all saying essentially that you're not a competent leader. We read this feedback and it's saying they don't find you to be a competent leader. And so, um, if your goal is to be competent in your job and a competent leader, you have to find new ways to talk to these people. And yeah. so uh, we joke, it's, you know, it's not the competence crusader. You're a coach. Use your powers for good. Um, and so that's a lot of what ultimately the conversations boil down to. Uh, yeah. And then obviously giving them tools. So, hey, Mercedes, if you feel like you want to do this because you're frustrated, what what's the outcome of doing that? OK, well, people aren't listening to you when you do that. So what are some other options um, for you to express that passion? Um, and then through that process, she starts to realize, OK, people do listen when I say things this other way. And so yeah. then they start to figure out the new habits are better. Yeah. Yeah. They get more more result from them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is so good. I, I appreciate that you have laid out so many examples for us because I think very often when we're in those situations, we do so many of the things that we have already talked about. We make excuses for them and, Mm -hmm. and uh, we feel intimidated. So we don't say anything. We back off. We, Mm -hmm. so many of those things. And and I love this conversation because it just, it opens the con it, it, it creates an environment for more conversation like this to happen. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sharing this episode very widely because there are a <laughs> lot of people who need to hear it. Um, so I really appreciate Catherine that, that you have, that you do the work that you do because it's so needed that you teach people to coach others instead of bullying them. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, and I, and I really appreciate that 
you've given us so many great examples of what it might look like that we might not be recognizing Mm -hmm. and what we can do about it. So uh, as we do at the end of every one of my episodes, we, um, we call it tips for the transition for a reason. Can you just wrap this up in a bow for us? Give us some key takeaways or some tips and strategies that we can take with us today. Yeah, my biggest tip is to make that decision. And I recognize it's hard to make a decision sometimes, but to really decide I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to take my power back. That is the most important thing you can do because once you've made that decision, everything else becomes a little easier. Uh, So no uh, wavering on, am I worried if I get fired or not? You, You just have to decide, I am going to put this boundary up and I'm going to address it in the way it needs to be addressed. So that's the, the biggest tip. Uh, and then secondly, keeping in mind that standing up for yourself doesn't have to be some big production where you're you know, shaming this person or being aggressive with them. Standing up for, that, for yourself could be something as simple as walking away or when they send you a nasty email responding and saying, I'm not gonna respond to an email written like this. And that's all you have to say. Um, it doesn't have to be a big, scary production. So hopefully recognizing it can be easy. I know mm-hmm. I say that lightly um, mm-hmm. is helpful. And then lastly, I would say, please stand up for each other. You know, if if everybody on your team is willing to push back a bit, then that's going to make a big difference. Even consider in a staff meeting, for example, if some sort of bullying behavior is happening if you were to get get up out of your chair and go and sit next to the person at the receiving end of that behavior, that sends a message right there. Um, so again, subtle standing up for yourself and others is going to go a long way. Mm. I love that. That's so powerful. Just just show show support for the people mm-hmm. who are on the receiving end, as you say. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I love that. And you said something earlier that I like to, uh, whoever is asking the question mm-hmm. holds the power. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to think about that for a little bit, but I real I, I believe you're right. If we are, if we are approaching, uh, if we're approaching a, a bully or an aggressive leader by uh, asking if they r- realize what they're doing, yeah, then it causes it causes a shift in the power. Yep, it sure does. And it gives you a little ammunition. If you say, do you recognize your yelling or do you recognize the tone of your email was too aggressive or whatever? They have two answers. They could either say yes and I don't care, in which case that gives you ammunition when you go to HR yeah. or they're going to stop and think. Um, and say, oh, sorry, you know, so it's a win-win. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Catherine, um, we could, we could, we could go on for a long time on this subject. You have lots of great stories to share, Um, but we're going to wrap up here. And I would love for people to hear that website you've talked about a couple of times. Uh, What is the best place they can find all this information? 
Yep. Civilitypartners.com. We do a whole lot of putting content out there that's useful. If you sign up for our e-newsletter, it's not going to be a series of sales things. I just want to get information out. And that's always been my kind of marketing strategy. So uh, lots of tangible tips and downloads. Um, we also have something called the 16 scripts, which is essentially 16 options, questions being one. Uh, and there's uh, 15 other options in terms of things you might say in the moment that are simple, you know, one liner. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, the, you can find me there. As you said, I've got LinkedIn learning courses all around these types of topics we've been talking about. So if you have access to LinkedIn learning, check us out there. And yeah, that's fabulous. Thank you. It's just a it's a, a treasure trove of resources for people who feel like they are in a toxic environment or have been bullied, uh, maybe have an aggressive leader. Uh, in their midst. Uh, so check out um, Catherine's website, civilitypartners.com. Thank you again, Catherine. I really appreciate your being here. It's yeah. been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. And for those of you watching and listening, I appreciate that you're a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode, as I said earlier, please subscribe, comment, Click a star, tell us how you feel. And as a career and life coach myself, I help women navigate challenging times more quickly and gracefully. So if something in this episode resonates and you'd like a fresh perspective about the situation you're in, reach out and let's continue the conversation. We could do that in my private Facebook group, the Career Transition Roadmap, and the link for that is in the show notes below. So let's meet again here Wednesday, next Wednesday, like every Wednesday, because you know what? I believe it's our time to thrive. So let's thrive together. Until next time, I'm Maria Tomas Keegan, helping you turn transition into triumph. Mm-hmm.